This is Spiro Skensos, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. This week's episode is once again sponsored by Pilar Alessandra, the author of the Coffee Break Screenwriter and On the Page Podcast. And she is again offering a 10% discount off one of her interactive online classes. This one is Writing TV, and it runs four Saturdays from July 11th to August 1st. In the first three classes, Pilar helps you create a series pitch, world, cast, and pilot. Class four is all about the business, and here Carol Kirshner takes over, discussing staffing, selling, and obtaining representation. The class is open to TV writers at all levels and is taught through Zoom in real time. To get your 10% off, use the coupon code on the page 10 at checkout. If you want to help me to continue to bring these weekly episodes to you, please consider becoming a patron or sponsor for as little as 25 cents per episode. And there are reward levels for different amounts. Visit tvwriterpodcast.com slash support for details. You're going to love the interview. Let's roll. Well, I am so excited to have somebody that people who go to Comic-Con and WonderCon and things like that must have seen... Spiro Skinsos before. Um, he's a writer-producer whose credits include Grimm and Arrow, and he's also known for moderating a lot of writing panels at all the conventions. How are you doing, Spiro? I'm good, thanks. It's good to see you. I know it's a, our first time sitting down since all the times that I've met you, you know, seeing mm. you. Yeah, I, it's, it's been a, uh, a thing that we just look forward to. Um, the shot of you and, and my daughter as Supergirl. It's like we have one from yeah. every single convention. Yeah, I have that one too. I think it's great. I think it's so great. You guys go out together. I love how the con is such like a family friendly, friendly, all ages, all people, all types type of, uh, you know, uh, situation. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about the cons uh, a little later on. But uh, you mentioned that uh, this time is a little different. At, I assume you're talking about the virus. Um, I've been opening most of my interviews just talking about how is the virus affecting you? Yeah. Uh, I know it's affecting everyone. And I, you know, there's so many people who are suffering and sick and dying from it right now. So I feel pretty fortunate to be uh, holed up, you know, here in Los Angeles area and doing okay. I've been working from home the past several months. I have a pilot that I sold to a studio. I've been doing some rewriting on that before we take it out. So oh, nice. I feel, I feel like nothing's changed for me except I'm just eating more carbohydrates <laughs> <laughs> and chocolate. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I hear that. Uh, there's there's quite a few writers who were already in development. It's like nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, let's let's rewind quite a ways. I, I think um, sure. it's it's going to be nice to um, I mean, I've, I've interviewed lately a lot of EP and, and showrunner level writers. And I and I know you had asked me, well, what do I have to offer? Um, I think it's great to hear from sort of the the uh, the other side as as one who's trying to break in and trying to get further ahead and uh and is perhaps able to share a little more freshly about the um the sure. breaking in times um in, in the trenches and whatnot yeah sure. absolutely um where, where did you go to college where did you study and, and when did you realize you wanted to be a writer um so i went to the university of michigan i actually got an art history degree because i became i was just like a big fan of art growing up that wasn't something that was encouraged in my home so i took the opportunity to explore that in college i have an art history degree with minors in film and biology because i thought i wanted to make uh, documentaries about the arts and the sciences because i was all renaissance kid um, but then i came out here and i fell into tv and i was like wow you can make an entire you know piece of of you know art of tv in seven days and get it on the air 
And I just thought that was so cool. And I love the storytelling aspect of it and the collaborative aspect. And it just kind of stuck with me. So that's how I got into TV. Hmm. And, and you started out in, in comedy. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was an assistant on the George Lopez show, uh, assistant executive producer for a couple of seasons at the end of the run. I got to pitch stories. I got to, so I wrote like three, three freelance stories there. And uh, that was very exciting. At the time, I was like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're the EP's assistant. So it's cool. And, but now you walk into the room and they're like, they're like, all right, what stories do you have to pitch us? Like it was, you know, like down to business. Like we like yeah. you and all, but like, what are you pitching? And it was a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, for like a babe in the woods, the mm. way I was uh, to go in there and pitch. And, you know, I ended up selling, you know, three different stories, writing three different stories for the show, the final cool. season and a half. So it was a really fun way to get in. And it was a nice way to kind of break in to actually getting the script done because you already knew all the writers in the room and it was very, you know, familiar and family-like. Hmm. Very cool. And so at that point, uh, was that when you got representation? It's funny you should. I saw the representation question uh, that you had sent me earlier, and I was like, "Oh, this is funny." I have a couple. I have an interesting history with with representation. Oh, yeah, I've um, about it. I was uh, on. You know, I was at George Lopez. These uh, CAA agents wanted to hip pocket me, and hip pocketing is something that they do when they actually don't want to rep you, but mm -hmm. they kind of they think that you might be, you know, someone to watch or whatever. So you know, they were like, "Oh, well." unofficially rep you we'll send you out on a couple uh, things and they didn't send me rep. out yes <laughs> <laughs> they didn't send me out on anything but what they were doing is waiting to see if i got staffed on the show the next season mm. which i did not do and then i never heard from them again so i think it's um that was one of the first times realizing that like not everyone gets you or understands your voice and you have to really be aware of the value of your voice and mm. who gets you and who you kind of you know, become partners with, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, we've got the Santa Ana winds are driving me crazy. <laughs> and so, I mean, speaking about finding your voice, um, you mentioned about art history, you mentioned about, I mean, it sounds like maybe comic books were um, somewhere in there. Yeah, in, well, in, I, in well, genre in general, it, it when you, which you ended up writing. So tell me about how you made that shift. Yeah, it's kind of, funny like well i guess it's not so ironic if you think about it but growing up i was strong you know i grew up in a multi-ethnic family uh speaking spanish and greek and english and i was surrounded by a lot of magic realism and a lot of greek you know classic mythology mm -hmm. uh, i loved comic books and star wars and i used to write scripts for my star wars characters to defend oh, yeah? themselves and my sister's giant menacing Barbie dolls because they're like this in the Star Wars characters. Like <laughs> and, you know, I would uh, shoot that and I would show that at family dinners on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And how my parents didn't know I wanted to be a writer then. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I look back on it. It's ironic that, you know, it's fitting that I would end up in hour-long drama writing in the genre world. Mm. After I was on George Lopez writing, you know, the freelances, I co-created and co-wrote an animated web series called Chatham, which is on mm -hmm. YouTube now. And that was really fun because I got to play with all the genre and world building that I liked. But I really wanted to get into like real like character driven, you know, layered uh, material. So I started writing our samples. Mm -hmm. So I was writing half hour samples and I was writing our samples and I had this other agent who was at Paradigm and he's still there. And I was like, I want to write an hour sample. It's like, no, you're a comedy guy. You're a comedy guy. You got to write comedy. I'm like, 
but I want to write this sample. It's like, no, don't write that. And I was like, no, that doesn't feel right. Like I should be able to write what I want. And mm -hmm. so I ended up writing this Grey's Anatomy spec mm -hmm. and I sent it to him and a week went by and he called and I was like, oh, cool. He's going to give me notes. He's like, so, you know, I don't really think this is working out and I didn't read your script, but like, you know, it's just <laughs> not working out. And so <laughs> but it gets even better. And he's like, so, you know, I think it's best that we just like end, this, end our relationship. But if any shows or offers come your way, let me know and I'll close them for you. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And at the time, I'm sure I was like, oh, that's so thoughtful of him. But like, it's not <laughs> at all. And again, someone oh, wow. who's not seeing you for who you are and the work that you do. Uh -huh. So I was like, well, the hell with this. Like I took that script and I submitted it to some writing programs and I get in, got into the first year of NBC's writers on the verge program oh, with nice. that script. Nice. And I was like, yes, you know, I thought that was a real good, like I'll show you type of thing. Uh, so I got into that program. Uh, and then when we got out, they're like, congratulations, you're our first graduates, but it's the 2008, uh, you know, 2008 writer strike. Oh. So there's no jobs. <laughs> so, you know, I was working as an assistant at NBC at the time. And as I'm working, you know, in the offices, I can look out the window and I could see like this line of protesting for, you know, the Writers Guild. And I was like, God, I want to be in that line, but yeah. I also need to pay my rent. You know, it's very frustrating. So um, from there, like NBC, you know, like it took a couple of years, but NBC really pushed to get me on staff because I, you know, was one of their assistants. I was in the writers program and Grimm came along and I had a an agent at the time who actually did help get me on that show with their efforts but you know and so NBC, were you staffed as a i know with a lot of the writers programs they'll pay half your salary is was that the situation or yeah. had that expired no it was um you know i think i was brought in as a you know quote unquote diversity hire and mm -hmm. they do pay for part of your salary the first few years so you know i had the interview on grim i love the show i love like you know the grim fairy tales growing up and you know i have all the you know, unabridged versions and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. uh, I was really excited to work on that show. And I went into like, the pitch. They really liked me. They didn't have the money for me. Uh, <laughs> then money was being found for me. It was all like <laughs> multiple people working at multiple levels to make that happen. Yeah. That's how hard it's how hard wow. it is to get staffed your first job. You know, it was mm -hmm. like NBC wanted me on the show. The EPs wanted me on the show. There wasn't enough money. I guess they just spent their last, you know, money on another diverse higher so mm. i got on the show and i was on the show for two seasons and i had a blast you know writing character stuff and genre stuff together it's like my wheelhouse I really like that mm. very cool very cool so so this um was your first real drama staff experience and yeah what were you feeling at that point were you feeling like ah, i've got it made or or what was what was your I was sentiment? terrified that I would let everyone down. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. like um, I think that's just like how I was brought up. But uh, also to get on the show, you know, I had this. I was I'd be had become friends with the very high level prominent executive producer the past few years, and she knew the guys who created the show. Hmm. And I was like, Hey, can you? Would you put a word in for me? And she's like, Yeah, I'll tell them that you're awesome. And you know, so that also helped. So I was like, I didn't want to let her down. I didn't want to let the show down. I didn't want to let Rose and the Verge down. I didn't want to let my like my family down. All that. <laughs> so you know, and like I just really wanted to like come up with fun ideas and just like push, push, push. And so you know, that's what I did for two seasons on the show. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. And speaking about fun ideas and push, push, push. After that, you started developing. Uh, tell me about that time. Yeah, um, I had an idea like i'm a big classic civilization dork and you know like mm. i've read a lot of 
that, you know, part of art history is, was that I took was archaeology. And I came up with an idea that takes place at the end of the kind of Roman emperor where Rome is now in Constantinople. And so I built these two warring families into it. One is pagan, one is Christian, and they're the patriarchs of which are wheat merchants, because wheat is was like the oil of the time, right? Mm. And it's basically a Dallas, it's like Dallas and sandals, but just more sex and violence. And, you know, it was, <laughs> you know, the last hurrah for Christianity when uh, a new emperor came to the throne and he wanted to roll back, go back to pagan times. So, like, it mm. was the la- I mean, last hurrah for pagan, sorry. Um so it was a time where it was like this final push for pagan culture by um, this emperor who took the throne for 18 years. And I was like, well, that's just a really fascinating thing. And it was kind of the same time going on. I you know, think like Obama had just been elected and it was mm-hmm. like, who is this imposter president that people, you know, some, <laughs> some segments were screaming about. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And, you know, drawing parallels from that. So I sold that to a Canadian company and we had set that up as an international co-pro to take it out and sell it to the marketplace. So mm-hmm. we came pretty close at this one cable uh, company and then uh, we didn't get it. So I did that. And then I so I wrote a feature for uh, Mar Vista and then I sold another pilot, mm-hmm. which then I had to put on hold because then I got on Arrow. So that, oh, wow. that period between the two shows was a lot of development with like capital D development, you know? Yeah. Uh, very cool. Well, I, I think... Um, the fact that you sold stuff is already um, pretty nice. I, I know there's tons of de- development that happens where you don't sell what mm. you're writing. That's most of the development, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're going to just take a quick break to hear from sponsors, and then we'll talk about Arrow and a bunch of other stuff. Drivingfootage.com provides 4K nine-angle driving plates for film and television. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second-unit photography. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. avgearguide.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the LA area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital so you can easily share with your friends and family. Mention the name of the TV Writer Podcast and you will get 10% off your order. Visit avgearguide.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. And we're back. And uh, I would love to hear about somebody who loved the genre being on Arrow. Well, how did you land the gig and what writing samples got you in the door? And what was it like to, to just be writing on a comic book series like that? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I mean, so I'd known, I'd had friends who were on Arrow, you know, like climbing the ranks and I knew people on the show and they tried to like recommend me prior seasons when it just didn't work out for, you know, staffing needs. And this particular season, they needed someone who was a comic book geek like I am because they had just mm-hmm. lost theirs, I guess. And... So that that, who, who the, uh, no, on? that she, yeah, she had gone on, uh, she, she's a sweetheart and she had gone on to legends of tomorrow, but they had just lost another writer too, who I guess who had left the show. And he was also a big comic person. So they were really kind of down on their comic people low on that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I came in with 
comic book knowledge. They knew who I was. I they read two samples of mine, I believe. One was this uh, family drama, which I now have set up at MGM. It's about any like illegal immigration and a secret second family, and mm-hmm. um, very non-genre, but it's very like it's family and so much. Everything we write is family. You know, like Arrow mm-hmm. was a family, and I think that's what we tune in to see in shows is the family coming together, the family having a fight, the family getting back together despite if it's your like real family, your work family or your superhero family. <laughs> um, so, you know, I came in with that and then I spent a season on the show. It was one of the best seasons of the show too that I was on. I was really excited about that. Um, I got to write an episode with Deathstroke and he's one of my favorite oh, um, nice. villains. So I was super excited about that. Um, so yeah, so it was fun. Very, very cool. And, and uh, you mentioned... Uh, you sold this other thing. What have you What have you been working on since Arrow? Oh, so the other the I sold a supernatural pilot right before Arrow, which I put on hold for Arrow, and then afterwards I went out with a studio attached who you know bought it, and that little mini studio it caved like fell apart just as we were getting to go out, so it never really got out. So there's uh, that, and then last year I set up this piece that I mentioned when I. To get into Arrow, this mm. piece that I showed them, I set that up at a studio, and we're doing attachments now and trying to get that out. Very so I'm really excited about that. And then in the meantime, you know, it's like I've got uh, a book I'm working on, I've got a comic book I'm trying to get out, and you know, I've got two pitches ready to go once this coronavirus <laughs> uh, ends. Yeah, very very cool. Well, uh, one of the things I, I'm adding to a lot of my podcasts is. Um, talking about mentorship um who would you say your mentors have been over the years yeah it's funny i I like that uh question and um i thought that uh it was a good one because you don't get as far if you don't have a mentor and mentorship is so important and i think originally when i started out and certainly when i was in half hour i didn't have that mentorship Mm -hmm. and you know i didn't have the person on the show saying yes you need to be on our show you you know we need to support support you to get on that show. I didn't have that, but you know, I had an amazing writing teacher who's been a mentor of mine, my, and the mentor from writers on the verge. She's still my mentor and a good friend. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, Jen is great. And also thinking of Erica Kinnear, who is amazing. She created the program, uh, that first year, you know, and, uh, she's awesome. And she's, you know, still someone who I just look up to and talk to and think it's Mm. great. Jen is amazing. Like she's such a great script doctor, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, she just sees story and character and, you know, you can't say enough great things about her. Mm-hmm. Karen Horn at NBC was a huge, uh, you know, fan and part of the reason, you know, one of the main reasons why I got onto Grimm actually. Um, mm-hmm. And on Grimm, you know, I ended up working with a bunch of fun writers. One of them really, you know, like kind of like took me under his wing, one of the um, high level EPs. He's like one of my best friends to this day. And it's just nice because you, when you've got someone who can not just champion you to help you mm-hmm. get to like help you get in and get ready and get a job, but also that supports you when you're on like the down, the downswing <laughs> and things yeah. are so, like to have that group of friends, you know, it's not mentorship in the strict sense of the word as in like, I'm your mentor and I tell you mm-hmm. what to do, but you know, having friends and people who support you and want to see you succeed. And I feel like I have a group of friends, you know, in the industry who I do that with, and I will call each other and like, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Mm. Are you doing all right? How can I help? Like, what are you working on? 
just to, you know, verbal supporting and mentorship like that, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I've been really fortunate in that sense. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and is, are there people that you're mentoring as well? Yeah. You know, I actually am an a, a official mentor in, in a couple of programs, um, that are, that are around. And also, you know, I mentor, you know, newer writers to the guild just by befriending them and then see, checking in on them and seeing what they need, helping them write their, you know, uh, their essays for, you know, we have a portal on the Writers Guild website to submit shows. And, you know, that's a completely different writing brain, you know, trait to have, quality to have. And I've helped a lot of them craft those letters. That way they're short and succinct and right to the point because mm-hmm. you don't have to be too long and reading people's scripts and giving notes. I've also been teaching um, at Script Anatomy um, oh, nice. with Tanya Bhattacharya, and she's mm-hmm. awesome. She's a great writer. Um, and so I've just been doing that this past spring. And that's Very another cool. form of relationship. You know, you make some great bonds with some people who are really talented and you want to see them succeed and their their voices are interesting. Hmm. Very cool. And and speaking about mentoring, um, I guess moderating panels would kind of fall into that umbrella. Um, how did you get started moderating and... I mean, this is something you do very consistently now. Um, what what was it made that you made you want to do about it, and what have you learned along the way? Well, it's interesting. I um, the reason I guess I started doing it was because I remember writing to Comic Con. This was actually for WonderCon, so, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, and I was like, hey, you know what? You could use since WonderCon was much more like handmade and you know bare bones, and you know get in there and do it yourself type of thing. I was like, you really need a panel about TV writing. And I would love to do that because I've got experience doing that. And I love Comic-Con and WonderCon. And, and they, they're like, I got an email from them saying, your, your panel's been approved. And I was like, what? (laughs) I didn't, I didn't think they would go for it, but they did. Uh And that first time I did, it was at WonderCon. One of the last years it was at and up in San Francisco. And it's the panel that like, I would have killed for that panel when I was Mm. on the outside, you know, like when I was on the outside looking in and like, how do I get started? And who do I, need to talk to and what do I need to write and all that. So I feel like it's, it's really like, it's a nice thing to do. It's, it's something I should be doing. I feel like people should be in who are in position to do so should be doing this, things like this. Hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's really beneficial to people. I've actually met some friends through it, you know, in, in addition to you, some other people um, who I've made friends with, but just to give people who are, you know, starting off, nascent writers struggling writers you know any of that to give them a new point of view to like kind of jumpstart their writing uh, mm. you know somehow to support them or you know push them to like get going because you know life's short and you don't have there are no guarantees so if it's something you want to do you need to pursue it because that way you can't you, you want to be like in the old folks home in the rocking chair and look back and be like i did it i tried it it didn't work but at least i tried it and i know Mm. Or like, I wish I would have, I wish I would have, you know, like which person do you want to be is kind of my MO for life. And that's Mm. why I'm always, you know, trying new things and trying to do the things that I want to do, especially when it comes to writing and being persistent and persevering because everyone will tell you no. But I think it's important that you tell yourself yes, and that you get out there and you do it. And I feel like the Comic-Con panel is part of that. Is there anything that has surprised you about the experience? Um, I guess just like, I don't know if this is what you're talking about. Like I was surprised when people ask what characters do you write for on the show? Mm. Cause like you'd write for all the characters, you know? And I just thought that that was like, that's an inkling there. That's someone yeah. who is on the outside, who wants to be on the inside, doesn't know how, 
Mm. And like, they need to know this, you know, like that type of stuff. But just like the various voices and people who are out there who are working day jobs, just like I was, you know, and struggling to get writing done, which is really hard. If you work all day, especially if you work in production, you don't want to come home after a 12 hour day and write. Mm. Or if you've got two kids or you're a single mom and you've got an apartment and you're sharing with two or three other people, how do you find the space and the time to do that? But you have to do it, you know, even if it's just like a, a sentence a day, whatever mm. it is you have time for, you need to make the time to do that because that's how you, you know, one, you know, every letter is a word and every word is a sentence type of thing. Mm. Well, it seems like you were writing a lot of scripts early on. Um, what were the sort of resources that you went to? Are there any, any particular books that you found helpful, courses that you found helpful? Um, there weren't a lot of books, you know, like 10, 12 years ago when I was getting started. It was a lot of trial by error. It was a lot of trying to get people who are ahead of me in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the hole, you know, and on, on the ranks to read me, to give me advice. Um, now there are so many, there are websites, there are writing programs like Script Anatomy, you know, Writers on the Verge, any of these uh, writing programs you can get into. And you some, some that, you know, you pay for like Script Anatomy, which is mm -hmm. amazing, of course. Um, that's kind of where I think a lot of it's being done now because you can read a book, but a book's not the same as someone who has been writing in the industry for five mm -hmm. years, 10 years, who is current on what is the latest trends in the writer's room, you mm -hmm. know? So I think there are some good books out there that I actually can't think of the names of right now because I have to look at my library. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of you can get scripts now online like you couldn't get scripts 10 years ago, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's a great value in itself. It's like finding scripts off the internet, you know, the internet and reading them and looking at the act breaks and going through and be like, why is this scene here? Why is this character say, talk like this? You know, why is the act break here? Um, to get an idea of how to write a script. Hmm. What would you say is the, the toughest part about being a TV writer? Oh, I think the toughest part is just like, staying in there staying in the game and being positive you know it's like they say it's not a sprint it's a marathon mm -hmm. um it can be it could be you know like a bum deal like when you're not staffed and you see all of your friends who you came up with are staffed and they're getting mm -hmm. promoted and you're you're not staffed and you know like so much of it is out of your control like you can control how good your writing is and you can control people you know like mm -hmm. not control but you can control whether or not you go out and meet people mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it's out of control. Like right after Grimm ended that season, I had three showrunner meetings. None of the shows went. Mm. And kidding me. And that's, you know, when I did the develop the period piece and whatnot. And then uh, after Arrow, the, where I was repped, they didn't get me a single meeting because they weren't doing their jobs because I know a lot of people love their agents and there are good agents out there. I've not had that experience. Mm. So <laughs> I didn't get a single meeting. And then the very next season, you know, new manager, everything, Five showrunner meetings. I've never had five showrunner meetings in a season before. Wow. I was about to get an offer on one of the shows. Show didn't go. You know, so like that's I can't control that. Mm -hmm. You know, you just and you need to know not to be so hard on yourself about certain things. You know, but what mm -hmm. you should do if things make you mad because you didn't get into that writers program or you didn't get staff, like turn around, put it all on the paper, put your anger on the page. Like who is this character that's angry and why and what's their wound and what are they trying to to achieve and who's keeping them from it, just turn it right into a story. Hmm. Yeah. I did that with, a, I put like all my 
all of my uh, into a script. And that's the one that um, I get meetings off of all the time. And it's the one that got sold to the studio that we're setting up. You know, it's like if you really write from a strong point of view, strong character type of stuff, that's the stuff people respond to. Mm. You may just get a general out of it. Oh, we really love you, but we don't have anything for you right now. But like, that's huge. Like to get a general off of your work is huge. Yeah. And I, th that shouldn't be, you know, um, underestimated or belittled because it's a big deal. Getting on staff you win is winning the lottery. You know, like you can be on staff on a show that goes five years, you know, 15 years. Doesn't mean you're a genius. It means that you got lucky. I mean, you may, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're obviously like you're doing something right, but like there's a lot of politics involved as well. And for the people who know how to play that long game, it really works out, you know, and um, if you're lucky, it really works out. You know, you can be on a, you can be a great writer and be on a show that goes after, goes down after 13 episodes. And then you get on another show and that one goes down, you know, like people have bad luck and there's yeah. no guarantee. So you just have to keep writing. Hmm. Yeah. Very, very wise. I, I, I talk to all different writers and you would be amazed. There's, there's, there's every example you can think of. Um, I talked to one writer who was an assistant for 10 years. Um, he actually early in that time, he, he got two freelance scripts on, uh, this was Lois and Clark. Um, and he got an agent and then went another eight or nine years as an assistant. And now, now he's a showrunner, been a showrunner for a while. Then there's showrunners who, yeah. after they finish their show, can't get a show. <laughs> like, they're good people and they're good yeah. writers. It's, you just don't know, man. Like, there's a, everyone wants to be a writer, everyone thinks they can do it. A lot of people can't, but like, a lot of people can, but there are not enough jobs. It's like um, musical chairs, you know? Mm. And how do you see peak TV? changing slash affecting this i don't know there are more shows but there are shorter runs because a lot of it's streaming and there are smaller rooms so like it's easy to say oh there's lots of shows out there go get a job but not if there's smaller rooms and all these mini rooms that they're doing and even the small rooms they all staff from the top down so mm. you'll get a staff of ep 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 and they'll be like oh it's all executive producers and it's all guys and there are no women on the show. We better hire a woman as a staff writer, which is completely unfair because mm -hmm. there should be women at the top already and people yeah. of color at the top already and LGBT folks and disabled folks. Um, and that's part of the, the conversation that's going on now is like there's the upper level, which is traditionally straight white cis dudes. And then there's the free or cheap staff writer, which is often the entry level for women, people of color, you know, various, you know, uh, underrepresented groups. Hmm. Yeah. But they're often brought in for the season cause they're free or cheap and then they're kicked out. And then another person is brought in to take their place. So you get this glut of mid lower level underrepresented writers in the system who are hmm. not moving up the ranks. So you still don't get those ranks filled with a lot of inclusion and it's still always at the staff level, which hmm. isn't helping anyone really. And, you know, that's, I think, a big problem. There are a lot of, it's hard to be a mid-level writer because most people only want you if you have a producer title and above or mm -hmm. if you're a cheap and free staff writer. So it's like the shrinking, that middle class kind of a parallel to America, the shrinking middle class. It's everyone at the top and everyone at the bottom and barely anyone in the middle who gets to rise up. And I also um, hear about um, diversity hires not getting bumped. Like... Yeah. There's something where I guess yeah. they don't have to because they're not considered a full 
that it's not considered a full year if you're a diversity hire as something oh, weird i've heard depends on the i think it depends on the show i think for abc their fellowship i believe at least it used to be was your abc fellow the first year mm -hmm. so you're not even a staff writer you're just a fellow on the show and then the second year you would be the staff writer yeah but so, so if, were... if they're circulating and you're only a fellow you won't actually yep. get that first credit yeah absolutely and, you know, there are a lot of shows that try to make uh, writers repeat staff level for a second year, even in a row. I've seen happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's outrageous. Um, you know, and it's just like this rush to the top. Like, granted, you're paying for people who are at the top who've got a lot of experience mm -hmm. and they can turn over a script and they know how to produce an episode and all that. But there are a lot of people in the middle who've been staff writer enough that they know how to do that as well. So I think it's going to continue to be an issue of how are lower mid-level writers going to get work and going to raise up the ranks if they keep getting kicked out after their initial staff writer season? Mm. So that's so, definitely a problem. So you, would you say that's that's the kind of thing that is fueling all your development? Like, it, it wh what's next for you? Would you, do you see yourself trying to get a show where you can be the, the showrunner of the show? Or, or what's what you what are you um, sure. moving towards? Well, um, I love working on staffs. I love being in a room with fun people working on great ideas. And it's just really exciting. I just had a um, meeting for a new procedural show that's mm -hmm. yet to be picked up. So we'll see if that goes. Um, I had a meeting for an open writing assignment for a big producer. We'll see if that goes. Um, and then, um, you know, other than that, it's development. Like I'm developing because I have ideas and I want to try to make them happen. And mm -hmm. since I'm not working, like what else is there to do besides develop? Yeah. So I think that's important is to always be writing, even you know, like write a new pilot, write a short story, you know, just keep being active in writing. Um, and that's what I'm doing now. Uh, while I wait to see what's going to happen, I mean, no one knows what's happening with this crazy coronavirus year mm. because pilots haven't been shot. I talked to an executive friend of mine. He's like the head of Current at one of the networks, and I was like, "Hey, I really love this pilot of yours." you know, what's going on? Can I get, you know, on a list or whatever? And he's like, I have no idea. Like I'm the head of, you know, like the current programs that I have no idea. We haven't shot all of our pilots yet. We don't know if we're going to like do direct to series, wait for a second. And this was a couple of weeks ago. I think that's kind of becoming a little more solidified now. It looks like the shows that a lot of networks are interested in picking up. They're asking for a second script from the showrunner mm. before they decide. Um, I don't think anything's going to get shot pilot-wise this year. I think it's all going to be, can we rush into production in August before the next wave of coronavirus hits? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of writing will be happening in the next few months. You can write, you don't, you can write on yourself. You don't need to you know, be around a lot of people. And if you're doing a writer's room, you can do a, a Zoom room, which isn't as fun or as creative as an in-person in, in room. But... You know, you can get a bunch of scripts written, but they need to be produced at some point or else why keep generating scripts? I have a friend on a show. They got an early pickup. They wrote six episodes and then they were all told to go home and they'll finish writing the rest once they go into production on these first six. Wow. It's for a network show because they don't we can't keep paying you to write scripts. We don't know when we're going to make them. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that's kind of crazy. I, I, uh, I just had a thought. It, it's like, you know, when there's a big blackout, how nine months later, there's a ton of babies. I, yes. I think this this coronavirus time, next year, you're going to see all kinds of crazy creative pilots yeah, circulating. I hope so. 
Um, I well, hope so. That'd be awesome. that's, that's a good transition to sort of tips for um, greener writers, people who are writing in this time. What yeah. what mistakes do you see people making on the page in interviews, career strategy, in the room? Um, I mean, you've yeah. been been on a couple staffs now. I'm sure you uh, you have some things that you've seen. Yes, I'm um, hopefully things I haven't done, but I've seen. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and it's funny because that's what we do in the intro to TV pilot that I do at you know WonderCon now and as well as Comic Con is kind of do the nuts and bolts, get mm -hmm. quite Q and A on that, and it's essentially like you should know what a script is like. You should know how they're formatted. If you're writing a you know a um, Big Bang Theory. Don't turn in a 60-page script. Those scripts are standard, you know, 45-page, uh, double-spaced sitcom. It's traditional sitcom. If you're, you know, writing a um, hour-long pilot, know that if the show is cable or network, are there act breaks for commercials? And even if there aren't, you should be building in your head act breaks to keep escalate escalating the stakes throughout the, you know, throughout the script. Mm -hmm. um, Type like I was a reader for Writers on the Verge for two years, and I do other reading of scripts. And even though a typo won't necessarily make or break your script, like if you got one or two, but it's a great script, like mm -hmm. I've seen scripts come in where like I don't. Did you just type all the wrong keys in this script? Like what? Um, so you don't do that. Like proof your script. Have someone else proof it. Mm. Um, you know. And I think getting started in the writers' room, the best piece of advice ever given to me when I got started was uh, on Grimm. Uh, EP on the show, I was like, am I pitching enough? And she's like, you make a tenth of what we make. If you are pitching like a tenth of what we pitch, you're doing fine. You know, it's like, mm. for every, so I was like, all right, so every 10 pitches, I should have a pitch and it should be a good one type of thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. also like knowing when to be quiet and listen, like don't interrupt people. I've seen that a lot uh, over eager or, or often like uh, uh, insecure or nervous people will interrupt and just say a thought that's in their head. Mm. You don't have to pitch on every single thing but if you don't pitch a lot your pitches should be really great and on point to mm. this you know the story cool. um so those are a couple like beginner mistakes mm. and what um what might you say to your younger self based on what you know now oh god so many things um uh i would say like do more sooner <laughs> <laughs> like you know it keeps getting more challenging every year because there's so many more opportunities to get staffed which means there are also opportunities to not get staffed and there are more people out there i was just like just don't be so nervous and just write more and explore more um i think that's a problem growing up is you're so focused on one thing you don't see the other things around you and you have to live a life in order to write interesting stories you know you can do research on what you know instruments a paramedic uses but you can't do research on on the actual story behind a paramedic you know like if you have a lived experience that really brings a lot more to a story hmm. and i think that's important for writers to remember very cool um uh, we're just getting to the end of our time here is there any sort of final thoughts um that you might give people who are wanting to break in people maybe are having some troubles um yeah. in their careers um yeah it's like do you want to do it like is this something you want to do and how much do you want to do, to do this like are you willing to like do this and keep trying and banging your head to get in for 20 years because like i was an assistant for 150 years before i got an opportunity <laughs> you know? so it's about perseverance 
and it's about knowing your voice and it's about not letting people say no to who you are and to your voice. Um, so if you want to write, write, you know, give it a try. Like it, maybe it's not right for you and you don't want to be a writer after all. That's cool. Like you tried, but if you, if you really want to do it, like if you feel like deep down inside that you are a writer, you are a storyteller. If you are always writing, if you're always looking at stories and trying to think of new stories and you're reading books and you know, just the narrative form fascinates you and drives you, then you should write and you should give that a try and you should try to carve out time in your life, despite what other obstacles and time things that you have to do to write and give it a try. And I would apply to any of the writing programs to try to get in just to see if Mm. what happened, like most of them are free, if not cheap. Very good. Don't give up if that's what you want to do. Yeah. That's a great place to end up. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time and uh, best of luck to you in all your projects. I hope that very soon you'll be that showrunner who's hiring other people. It was great to see you. I appreciate you uh, calling me in after seeing you all the time uh, at the panels. That's really nice. Very cool. Well, thanks, Spiro. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe on all of the places you can find this podcast, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and also Make sure to rate the podcast and and submit your comments. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle. And also visit tvwriterpodcast.com slash support for details on how you can become a patron of this podcast for as little as 25 cents per episode. Well, that's it for this week. I appreciate you joining me. See you next time. Bye-bye.